Welcome to Calvary Chapel in the City, Sunday evening service. So we are in the book of Genesis, chapter 6, going through the Old Testament, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we are back in the book of Genesis. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and James will get you a Bible. Genesis chapter 6. Okay, let's pray before we begin. Father, we thank you thank you for your word. We thank you just for the gift that we can pray to you, Lord, and be in fellowship with you and ask for understanding. We thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that we can be refreshed morning and evening and bathed in the word. I pray in Jesus' name that you... Lord, would open up our eyes and our ears and our minds to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us this evening. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so last week we started in the first few verses of chapter 6. Rather, we ended in the first few uh, verses of chapter 6, but I'm going to go ahead briefly through those anyway. It says, now it came to pass. This is sort of the introduction to Noah and the flood. Now it came to pass when man began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful And they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. For he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And there were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. And then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. That every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So I'm not going to go through at length exhaustively where we were at uh, last at the end of last, uh, uh, I guess it was two Sunday nights ago, where I went over the first four verses, all the different theories um, of who the sons of God and uh, the daughters of men were. I will I will stick with um, the interpretation uh, that I feel is best, and that is that the sons of God that are referred to there refer to the line of Seth, which is in chapter 5, which is the line of the Messiah, which is the line of Enoch, who it said, uh, it says of him that he did not die. He was to, walked walked with God, verse 24, chapter 5. And then he was not, for God took him. And the, the sons of God were of that line, descendants of that line, the line of Seth. The sons of the daughters of men uh, were uh, the uh, daughters of 
Cain, and which is described in chapter 4, where the Cain, remember, was cursed, and his descendants became exceedingly uh, evil, uh, filled with uh, pride, and and so there's sort of you could say an intermarriage of the two. Now some believe that they were uh, there's a lot of uh, demonic activity involved here. It does say in. Verse 4, there were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old. So it seems like the offspring of these unions, the sons of God and the daughters of men, there were giants and some think there were demonic activity where um, the just sort of a demonic plot uh, where uh, you know Satan is, is basically putting together the uh, you know men of the line of Cain who were particularly strong, uh, per- exceedingly wicked, uh, this type of thing, and uh, matching them up with uh, the daughters of of uh, the daughters of men, the sort of the the line of uh, of Cain. Uh, who were also uh, women who were particularly strong in this type of thing. Uh, you know, we've seen that type of thing. Uh, it's actually happened throughout history, uh, including in the modern era. This is what the um, Nazi Germany did. They, they attempted to build a super race. That's what genocide, uh, one of the objectives of genocide uh, is. Uh, they attempted to do that through prohibiting uh, the uh, intermarriage and union uh, between uh, Aryan Germans and um, and others. That was some of the first laws in Nazi Germany had to do with intermarriage. Before that, in uh, the in the South during uh, the time of uh, of slavery. In the South, particularly after the time that the slave trade was abolished, slave trade was abolished in 1807 in England, uh, evangelicals such as Wilberforce and William Wilberforce, but also the Quakers as well, they got together. That was abolished in 1807, which led to a big problem in the South because the cotton industry was booming. They needed slaves. They no longer had it, had um, that that uh, a source to, to purchase slaves. And so... What was done in the South, and it's 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 just one of the awful blights of history on this country, was uh, slave, slave owners would force male slaves who were stronger uh, to have sexual relationships with female slaves who were also physically uh, strong. And, uh, you know, I was just reading accounts of that on Friday, and just, just so horrible. And terrible what was going on. I mean, they were breeding slaves like they were animals, type of things. And and um, I was just, uh, it was, I just, I just was immobile after a while. Couldn't study, couldn't do anything. Just what was going on? That, that they have accounts from firsthand accounts from slaves of, of what was going on, and just terrible, terrible things. Um, through the simple law of genetics, though, that kind of practice will result over time in a change of the physical makeup of, uh, of humanity. But in Genesis, this is going on for 1,600 years. I mean, you, you read about the first four, three, uh, four verses of, uh, if you read about the first three verses of, uh, four, uh, four verses of chapter six, it's not just a few years. It's a period of 1,600 years. And so um, man, you know, man has this, uh, has this desire. Uh, this, there's a, still a, de- really, there's still a demonic desire to, to create super races. Actually, can you put the Economist cover up there? So this is the recent um, 
cover in The Economist magazine and uh, entitled Editing Humanity, the Prospect of Genetic Enhancement and just um, being able to create a super race. Uh, There it says on there that, you know, pointing to the legs of this little baby, it says sprinter, pointing to the head, it says uh, no baldness and high IQ, uh, to the throat, perfect pitch. Um, also in the brain, low risk of Alzheimer's, breast cancer, and strokes, 2020 vision, this type of thing. Uh, just the same type of thing, man trying to engineer his own race. It's, it's unfortunately, that's part of the wickedness um, that, uh, that, that Satan stirs up. And that it's, but it's also part of just our own wickedness to, to replace God. Uh, and so... Uh, you you have over a period of sixteen hundred years the, this kind of thing going on where uh, the man has just gotten freakishly evil on planet Earth with this weird kind of interbreeding and 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 and, and, and this kind of thing and 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 the Lord looks over it in verse five and he, he says that he sees. The, the wickedness is so great um, that, and that every intent of the of the thoughts of of his heart was only evil continually, and he's sorry, and uh, that he made man on the earth. It grieves his heart, and he says, "I will destroy man whom I have created." Now, keep in mind that he's not only the flood, not only came because God was judging evil. The flood came because God was preserving humanity. Um, In the book of Lamentations, I love the verses, but for the mercies of God, we would be consumed. And we'll just wipe out each other if it wasn't for the, the, the judgments of God. And so, um, you know, this terrible... This terrible uh, uh, condition on planet Earth. Verse three says, "And there, the, the Lord said, my, uh, my spirit shall not strive with man forever.'" I often quote that on Sunday mornings. God, you know, people who are, you know, continually resisting God and resisting God and resisting God. At some point, God says, "Okay, have it your way," and He stops striving. He stops fighting. You know, it, it, even in the life of a human being. Romans chapter 1 gets into that very thing where God sort of gives man over to their own rebellion. It says this interesting thing, yet his day shall be 120 years. Um, some folks take that to mean that after the flood that man will only live 120 years. Uh, it doesn't appear to be so because there are people who live beyond 120 years after the flood. Uh, such as Isaac, what it what it what it does appear to mean is that 120 years from this statement in verse three, the flood would come, and so there's that period of 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 grace. Yet his day shall be 120 years. I'm going to give 120 years for people to repent, but then the judgment uh, is going to come. Extraordinary statement in verse five. I know I talk. I, 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 I've talked about this a lot, but the Lord seeing that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every underline every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only underline the word only evil continually. Underline the word continually. Every only continually. That's a lot of evil. That's, that's a really low condition on planet Earth. And, you know, there's just been this progression of evil. And, and you know, it's so strange. You look over the last hundred years, it's, it, it, it's man's just pushing in the same condition, always pushing the envelope. We just need a little bit more evil, just a little bit more evil, a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know if you all are familiar with the... Um, the film Gone with the Wind, but um, how many people have seen Gone with the Wind here? Okay, yeah, 
So it came out in 1939, and, you know, there's that one line in Gone with the Wind where Rhett Butler tells Scarlett O'Hara, what did he say? He said, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And it was just scandalous at the time. It was uh, there was many parts of the country that were just outraged. Interestingly enough, in 1934, that word had been outlawed, banned, prohibited. The word "damn," a motion picture association's production code, outlawed it. I mean, the words outlawed, banned, whatever. But one month prior to Gone with the Wind coming out, hint, hint, things were going on behind the scenes, there was an amendment. And I will read this amendment to you. The amendment said, allowed um, the use of the words hell or damn when their use shall be essential and required for portrayal in proper historical context of any scene or dialogue based upon historical fact or folklore or a quotation from a literary work provided that no such use shall be permitted when it is intrinsically objectionable or offends good taste. Unquote. Oh boy. Has that been a shifting definition of what is intrinsically objectionable? Now it's just like anything. You know, when I was um, a teenager watching TV, you would never hear curse words on TV. Now it's like a, a, reg- a regular thing, pushing the envelope again and again, and again, just always just gaining new ground, and once, you know, just a little bit more evil, a little bit more offensive, and then once you get the ground, you start pushing uh, for more. Now TV shows are rated according to how much inclusion they have of, of you know, family units that are mixed. There's actually a rating that they're given of how good, how much, how inclusive they are. But sin breaks the heart of God. It says that, that verse six: the Lord was sorry that He had made man on the earth. He was grieved. Verse six: in His heart. Why do we grieve? We grieve because we love. You know, as a parent. I have found over the years that anger is not really effective. Although certainly I've been, I've, I've, I've been angry over the years, exercising discipline, um, but it's not really effective. What is effective with with parenting is just grieving and being brokenhearted. But the difference between anger and grieving is, is, is grieving at the heart of grieving is love. You grieve because you love. And you can see two people doing the exact same thing, you know, in, in the street. You see some kid go up and punch a cop. You don't know him. You're, you get angry at that kid. But what if it was one of the kids from church? You saw them hit a cop. I wouldn't be angry. I would be deeply grieved. And so, grieving shows just the love of God for humanity here. And just, um, you know, their rebellion here. So when God unleashes the flood, it's just not to wipe out wickedness, though. He's protecting a plan of salvation. He had promised Adam and Eve that there would be a Savior, a promised seed. And so he's preserving. There's eight righteous people on planet Earth. Verse 8, that wonderful word spelled B-U-T. But Noah. Again, verse 7 says, So the Lord said, 
I will destroy men whom I have created from the face of the earth, but, but both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them but Noah. It's a wonderful word, that word spelled B-U-T. We're in Ephesians on Sunday morning now. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. He said, You he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But then it says in verse 4, But God... who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And so, so many of us can relate to that, identify with those verses in Ephesians. When we look back at our lives prior to Christ. Verse 3 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, where we were conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, just fulfilling the desires in the flesh of, and of the mind. Being, na- being by nature children of wrath, but God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. So in verse 8, back in um, Genesis chapter 6, but Noah... It was through Noah and because of Noah that there is salvation. God saved us through Noah. Everyone in here was is related to um, Noah. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That means, of course, Noah wasn't perfect. Otherwise, he doesn't need grace, right? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. But it does say later on, we'll read it, that he he was a friend of God. He walked with God. Actually, it's the next next verse. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. And that's a sermon in its own right. Noah walked with God. He was a just man, perfect in his generation. Now, I don't know about you, but every once in a while, the devil starts messing with my mind because the overwhelming majority of people around me think I'm crazy following God. And and I'm sure that it entered Noah's mind from time to time. Am I crazy? Like, they're all telling me. They're all telling me I'm crazy. Building an ark in the middle of no water within hundreds of miles. But his life is a real encouragement because what his life tells us is that It doesn't matter how many people have thrown the shackles of the authority of God over your life, if you want to call it that, and are not um, obeying God and are just out there, just, you know, sort of in-your-face wickedness. doesn't matter how many people around us that's happening with, we can walk with God. 2 Peter chapter... uh, chapter 1 says God has given us all things we need for life and godliness 
It's a great thing to meditate on. It says he was a just, verse 9, perfect in his generation. He walked with God. You can do it. You can do it in your school. You can do it in your workplace. You can do it in your neighborhood. Some of you, you can do it in your own home. You walk into your home and it's surrounded by all kinds of people doing whatever. Could care less about God. You know, don't come to me and say, I just can't do this. Everyone in my house is, is living a wicked life because I'll just point you to Noah. Noah undoubtedly had many, 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 many brothers, relatives, family members living an unbelievably wicked life. You don't have to live like the people at work. You don't have to live like the people in your school. You don't have to necessarily live like the people in your family if they're not walking with God. Verse 10 says, And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So Don Barber went over those last week. Hope you were blessed by by Don coming down. And verse 11, The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence sexual morality big deal at the time we know that from the first three verses but more than anything violence is what characterized the pre-flood earth violence you know, I don't know how many times I've heard, you know, Christians are talking about TV or movies. You know, oh, is the movie's okay, you know? Yeah, there's violence, but there's no sexual immorality. Well, where are you getting that from? Gratuitous violence in, in a film or a TV show is not an okay thing. Gratuitous violence just put in there to, to make money. And for no other reason. Violence. Verse 12, So God looked forth um, upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Wow. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. This is his conversation with Noah. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Anyone know what gopher wood looks like? I'm glad no one raised your hand because I understand no one knows what gopher wood. I shouldn't do that. That was really terrible that I just did that. But um, no one really knows what kind of wood this is. Gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Its width, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. So a cubit is about 18 inches. So its length is about 450 feet. That's about one and a half football fields. Football, meaning professional football. American professional football, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, all you Latinos. The width, 75 feet. Height, 45 feet. Verse 15 says, and this is, um, rather, verse 16 says, You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it uh, to a cubit from above. So, do we have a picture of the ark? Now, I understand the answers in Genesis. Is that the answers in Genesis? Ark, where does Scott go? Scott, you disappeared. Answers in Genesis, Kentucky has a $50 million project to build uh, the ark to its, um, you know, exactly according to the dimensions of the Bible. I think there's one in the Netherlands as well. But you see that it's believed that there's a cover and then there's like a window surrounding uh, the ark for, um, among other things, ventilation.
so the interior would be about 1,400 cubits. And so it also has, well, let me just finish there. In verse 16, set the door of the ark in its size. You shall make it with lower, second, and third deck. So it had three levels on it. Hey, Scott, is this the answers in Genesis ark? Is this the answers in Genesis ark? Okay, so you can go to Kentucky. Did you go on an ark when you went there? It's not fully built yet. Okay, so the, the, they are they they are in the process of of building it. And um, so, if you do the math, five hundred and twenty-two railroad cars can fit in easily, as I understand, inside uh, an ark like this. One hundred fifty thousand sheep could fit inside. There's no rudder on this boat. And I am told that shipbuilders have actually used it as a model. The, uh, the boat is made in such a way that it can go up to a 90-degree angle and go back down and maintain its stability. Now, I'm a boat guy. I grew up in boats on the ocean in crazy storms. So I just love just that word picture there, the imagery there. Uh, 90 degree angles and then go back down you know we always we like sailing um, but it was no fun unless you could tip over and actually did tip over but this that you couldn't do it basically I'm told you can't do it in this arc if it's made according to these dimensions now you know, interesting thing here just the, the dimensions that um, how in the world did the ancient man know uh, wait, wait one second how 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 in the world did the ancient man man know? I mean, Noah is is writing these dimensions down. Um, if this is all a fable, if this is all a legend, how does he know to write down the dimensions that just happen to be confirmed by modern day shipbuilders and scientists? A boat, a huge boat that can't tip over. Well, the answer is, it's not a fable, it's not a legend, it actually was. He was told this by God, and it couldn't tip over. It didn't have a rudder, it just bobbed around. But th- there no doubt were enormous, enormous waves because the, the geographic landscape of the world was going through huge, huge changes because as we are going to um, read, actually verse 17, let's just read it, and behold, I myself am bringing flood flood waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which um, is the the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. And actually we'll find out um, in just a little bit that in addition to rain, it was going to rain 40 days, 40 nights, that was nothing compared to the the ground waters underneath the United States and most every other country in the world or continent in the world, there's tens of millions of gallons of fresh water. And it, it all broke up. So, I mean, Noah, this ark, man, it was doing some waves. I mean, there were no doubt some gigantic waves there. And so the dimensions were very important. Okay, I have a comment there, here in the back. Yes, yeah, sir. Well, I would assume it's this way. Sorry if you're listening to this. What do you call this? Side to side. Um, I'm assuming that's what is meant by that because the length is just, well, I suppose 90 degrees up. Wow, that's really cool, man. You can't go to Six Flags and do something like that. But you can go back a little in time and do Noah's Ark. Maybe have a cool ride there. Um, so, yeah. Amazing stuff, that just the study of the ark, and you can go to the Answers in Genesis uh, website and read a lot of things about that. Notice in verse 16, he set the door of the ark in its side. Eighteen, but I will establish my covenant with you. He's speaking to Noah, and you shall go into the ark. 
you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of them, every sword into the ark, to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself all of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourselves, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him. Notice in verse 20, it says, Two of every kind will come to you. So Noah didn't like have to run around the earth chasing leopards or whatever. And you may think, well, that's really weird. Well, some of you have heard me before talk about things like this. Uh, It's not weird when you consider some of the behavior behaviors of and migration patterns of, of of birds and other animals to this day, today. I've talked about the Manx shearwater, which is a bird. It was once taken, one of them, off the Welch Coast. By the way, the word coal, C-O-L-E, is a Welch name. I'm sorry, enough about me. Um, it 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 was taken from the Welch Coast and was flown 3,200 miles to a place called Boston, Massachusetts was released in less than 13 days all by itself and it got back to Wales. And I talked to about the golden plover. It goes from Alaska to Hawaii, Hawaii. I don't know how many thousand miles that is. And, you know, moms and dads fly off, leave the baby golden plovers in uh, Alaska. And those things, when they get old enough, they can't stay in Alaska for the winter. And they get to Hawaii. How? Scientists don't know. As I understand, God knows how to do His business. He can get these um, he, these animals uh, to the ark. Now, uh, you know, again, how do they get all those animals inside the ark? Well, first of all, it's an incredibly gigantic um, vessel. Here, I already told you um, that it, as I understand it, yeah, can fit 522 rail car, uh, cars and as I understand also 150,000 sheep but remember here that the word kind is used not species and so it says two of every kind verse 20 will come to you now uh, what's the difference between a species and a kind well it's interbreeding D- different species like wolves coyotes and dogs they can interbreed but dogs and gophers can interbreed. They're two different kinds. And so, um, according to answers in Genesis, there would have had to have been 16,000 animals and birds on the ark. Uh, But the ark would still have been capable of holding something like um, Seventy thousand animals, but they're only if you if you count the number of kinds, they're uh, only needed to be uh, sixteen thousand uh, animals. Of course, you don't have to bring full-grown elephants; you can bring baby elephants, and you know, and this type of thing. So, verse twenty-two: Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. I love what happens in a human heart. We've been we, we've talked about this in First John and chapter four, first John, where it says of someone who is born of God, the commandments of God are not grievous to him. They're not burdensome. They're not like a thorn is his flesh. Oh God, I gotta go to church this morning. Oh the commandments of God are not grievous. 
it's a wonderful thing what happens in the life of a Christian where they just go from God's command being grievous to being, wow, I'm okay with this. I love obedience. David says, I think in Psalm 119, I run in the path of his commands. And, 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 and it is necessary to get there. To get to, if you are going to be like Noah and do all according to what God commanded you, commandments of God cannot be grievous to you. Just think about how important it was that Noah did every single thing that God commanded him to do. Think about it. If he left off a few things, that's a big problem. He didn't know the consequences. Sometimes we're told to do things. We don't necessarily know the consequences of disobedience. If you look to this, it's like, wow, if he disobeyed on a certain thing. I don't know about this third floor of the ark. I think two floors are enough. That would be a big problem. Among many other things. Keep in mind, we know from 2 Peter 2, verse 5, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was a preacher of righteousness. What an opportunity to be a preacher of righteousness. He's building this ark, and I don't know how many people are coming up to him. So what on earth is that? He told them. Told them why he was doing it. It's 120 years God gave opportunity for people to repent. It probably took them about 100 years to, to build. And, and so uh, a long time for people to... You know, get an, an opportunity to repent, and, and, and you know, and just in your own life, you're going to church. So, it's like one of the most common phrases when you go into work on Monday morning is what? So, what did you do last weekend? Let's see. I went to church. It's an opportunity to to be a light and to to open up a a conversation. Uh, with someone I'm going what are you doing tonight oh, I'm going to a Bible study a, a Bible study it's a Wednesday night what's up with that I'm going to worship practice for my church so you have your own arcs that you're building people can ask you about but I just love this Noah did according to all that God commanded him to do so even if no one else in the world is following God. You can follow Him. You're not crazy. You can follow God. So chapter 7, verse 1 says, Then Noah, the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, and you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and female, two of animals that are um, unclean, and a male and his female. Also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of the earth. And so he took seven clean animals. This is probably for food. That's why he has seven clean, uh, seven clean animals. Food for them also, um, perhaps so that they would multiply after the ark uh, got, uh, you know, came back uh, to land. That those particular species would uh, multiply and be used later for um, for food after the ark. Uh, man becomes man starts to eat meat. Uh, so. Uh, it's interesting there, this reference to unclean animals. For those of you who like to dig deep in the Bible, I mean, that's not really uh, something that we hear much about until the Mosaic Law. 
is it one or two thousand years later, Law of Moses talks about unclean animals, shrimp, lobster. Oh, I'm so glad. I, I would never be able to live without lobster. Calamari, unclean. You've got to be kidding me. Acts chapter 10, one of the best chapters in the Bible where God showed to Peter all the unclean animals and said, eat. He said, no, I can't. I'm a good Jew. He said, wait a second. You didn't hear me. I said, eat. What? Don't call unclean what I have called clean. So, um, But here's a reference to unclean animals in, in, in Genesis chapter 7. Are they the same ones? I'm not sure. You've got to believe probably the pigs were unclean uh, in chapter 7 but, um, uh, at that time. But we don't know for sure. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain, verse 4, on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all the living things that I have made. So they're going to be on this ark for, I think, a year and four days or something like that. So, it's yeah, it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights, but the whole earth is going to be covered with water. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters uh, were on the earth. So Noah, with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. It's interesting in verse 4. It's, uh, he gives them seven days in the ark before the rain starts. And it's like, why? What's all that about? Well, maybe he's just mentally preparing them or something like that. It could be. It also could be the seven more days for people to repent. Noah's shouting from one of these windows. Hey, guys, really, you, you better get in this ark. He keeps giving them just seven more days to repent. And that is a concept we saw in the book of Revelation, which we did immediately prior to Genesis. In Revelation chapter 8, remember, the trumpets were sounded, the, uh, the, uh, the, those judgments, and a third of the living creatures of the sea died, and a third um, of the rivers and the springs of water. There was a third, a third, a third. And we talked about this when we were in Revelation chapter 8. God still is wants people to repent. It's, not, it's a third. It's not... 100%, it's 33%. But then in in Revelation chapter 16, which really is just the final uh, judgments, the bold judgments, every living creature on the sea dies. And so these seven days, perhaps that was just an opportunity. Um, one last opportunity. It's God's desire, the Bible says, for all men to repent and come to a knowledge of, of the truth. Verse 7, So Noah is with his, his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month. See, this is not a myth. This is a very specific day. On that day, all the foundations of the great deep were broken up. So this is um, tremendous geographical changes in the world where there's earthquakes or something breaking up underground fountains of water. And the windows of the heaven were open, verse 12, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's son, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of, of, of his sons with them, entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, and two by two, and all flesh which is the breath of life, so that... Um, so these, those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him. The Lord shut him in. Now that's a great verse, right? The Lord shut him in. 
It's interesting in verse one of the same chapter, God says to Noah, come into the ark. He doesn't say go into the ark. Why? Because God's there. He's inside the ark. Come into the ark. It doesn't say go into the ark. But then it also says here that uh, Noah says, it says that God shut the door. God shut the door. And it is a picture of salvation. He shut them in. And it's, it's also a picture of judgment, too, that there will be a time where there is no more opportunity. You know, that door it was a narrow door, but it was not exclusive. Anyone could have entered it. You know, you hear sometimes Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Well, that's so narrow. Yeah, but it's not exclusive. And it's amazing considering the condition of the earth that the Lord allowed anyone to live at this time. But, but, but you know, uh, same thing with the, the door of salvation. Jesus Christ calls himself the door. But there will be a time where the, where the opportunity to be saved will end. It's going to be some time in the tribulation period where it's, it's done. It's over. There's, there's, you know, there's sort of a there's a, a final judgment uh, on planet Earth. Verse 17 says, Now the flood was on the earth forty days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed fifteen cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. So in the Himalayas, there are marine fossils at 30,000 feet above sea level. One kind of sea, uh, one kind of uh, sea creature, the fossil ammonites called coiled marine cephalopods, wow, are found in limestone beds in the Himalayas and Nepal, and. All geologists agree that ocean waters must have buried these fossils in these limestone beds. New York Times, 1987 article, this is going back uh, some, scientists have found fossils of whales and other marine animals in mountain sediments in the Andes, indicating that the South American continent, uh, the South American mountain chain rose very rapidly uh, from the sea. So it's interesting, their explanation is that those fossils were once at sea level, way, way, uh, you know, in dry land, way, way down, and must have gone up when the mountain went up. But they still have to explain that there was an ocean covering a continent. So interesting. But you know something? I'm not going to be able to finish chapter 7. Because <laughs> it's, <laughs> <'cause> it's 744. <laughs> 